0: Amen. This morning, on this second Sunday in Advent, I'm going to ask you all to turn to your Old Testament in the Pew Bible, if you wish. It's page 624. We're going to be visiting the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, 1 through 7. The prophet of Isaiah is referenced in the Gospels more than any other of the Old Testament. The writer of Matthew's Gospel quotes Isaiah six times alone. The text we're going to read is often one that we hear on Christmas Eve as we pay homage to God's revelation, the narrative of God's incarnation, the embodiment of God's love. But by the time we finally get to Christmas Eve, the details and the circumstances surrounding that little baby often overshadow the promise that Jesus fulfills. And so let us listen for God's holy word. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace, for the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the Advent season does mark the beginning of the new year in the Christian calendar and it sets four weeks apart for waiting, Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not very patient, and I'm not anticipating Christmas with great excitement yet. I have not been sitting in my perfectly clean home, gazing at my perfectly well-lit Christmas tree, and contemplating both the theological and spiritual implications of the Incarnation. I have not been doing that, mainly because I am not ready for Christmas. We need more time. Somebody has got to clean the house and string the lights and order the cards and bake the cookies and pay the bills if we only had more time, if we only had more help, if we only had less to do. How does that famous poem go? With a wink of his eye and a twist of his head, soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. If only." But you see, Advent is not a season of wishful thinking. Our sort of waiting takes some effort. And so we clean out old things, things we've been clinging to, like toys and dresses we haven't worn in 10 years, and regrets and resentments and guilt and sin. As we wait, we focus on hospitality. We set our tables, and we send out invitations, and we blow up air mattresses for room in the inn, and we cook extra food, and we plan extra worship services and luncheons and holiday gatherings. When we wait, we remember what's most important by telling stories and maintaining traditions and reaching out to friends and family with cards and gifts and phone calls. We give money to organizations who help those in deepest need. And somehow tangled up in the midst of all of the elves and the apostles and the reindeers and the shepherds and the snowmen and the magi, is an inevitable truth that transcends all time and space. We will not, we cannot survive on wishful thinking. If only this, if only that, because our faith and our purpose and our identity is built on hope. And that right there, hope, that's the problem with Christianity. Once we realize Advent has far less to do about wishing and far more to do about messianic hope, once we start hoping, we can no longer pretend that we are preparing or planning for a future that somehow we get to control or manufacture. In spite of our best efforts, as Jurgman Moltmann once said, the future might be the only thing we humans can't think out and picture for ourselves. Sure, we can wish, We can wish things were different, we can wish things would work out, we can wish the pandemic would go away, we can wish things had been different. But hope, hope you see, hope is a change agent, and hope it may draw on the past, hope it might learn from the past, but hope never dwells on the past. Hope looks ahead and it moves ahead, and therefore, As it moves, it revolutionizes and transforms the present as well. Consider a man who has been suffering in total darkness for longer than he can remember. He is so disoriented, he would have no way of knowing if minutes or hours or days or weeks or months have passed by until eventually when all has been lost, And help is beyond his own reach. He catches a glimpse, a dim, glowing light on the horizon. And then what choice does he have? Does he have a choice? At least in this case, he does. He can either stay put or he can move toward that light. But there, there in that moment of choice, There is a force within and beyond himself which causes his eyes to lift and his body to move. And in that very moment, not only does his point of view change, but his very purpose in life, that changes as well. He has no idea how long it will take. He has no clue where he is going. But there is a light on the path that was not there before, and now he has hope which leads us to one of the most prolific prophets in all of history, Isaiah. During Isaiah's lifetime in the 8th century, there was the northern kingdom of Israel, and then there was the southern kingdom of Judah, and they were no longer united, but in general, in general they still enjoyed peace until things broke down like this. Now, Isaiah and his people, they lived in the southern kingdom in Judah. And for 30 years, Isaiah dedicates his life to the people of Israel. He is passionate, he is honest, and he is committed to Yahweh. He is respected, and he keeps on keeping on. He tells the truth. But the political realities are rough. And he has major issues with the current king Ahaz. And so to the north, there is Israel in the capital of Samaria. And to the east, there is Aram in the capital of Damascus. And to the south, there is Egypt. And to the west, well, there's the Mediterranean Sea. Got it? But somewhere between the northern king of Israel and the eastern king of, of Aram, there is a growing force of nature called Assyria and they have a new king that wants to expand things out and so they attack Israel and they attack Aram and those two kingdoms revolt and Judah is smaller and so it refused it refuses to join its neighbors in the revolt and within 15 years trauma after trauma violence and war oppression and exile None of it matters because Assyria has taken it all. Samaria is sacked, Damascus is ruined, and while Jerusalem, it has been spared, Judah is nothing more than a vassal state. The leaders of Judah are making decisions based on their own hubris, and the people are aligning themselves with Assyrian culture and religions. And how can we blame them? They're just trying to survive. I mean, how can we trust in a future, a promise of joy and peace and justice, when the very promise God made so long ago, that very promise has been decimated and destroyed? Everything Isaiah knew and loved around him had been obliterated, and he watched an entire population of devoted worshipers fall away and basically disappear. It was as bad as it could possibly be. These people weren't simply distracted by the demands of the holiday season. They were trying to survive, which let's be honest. Some of us here in the sanctuary know a little bit about that, and certainly a majority of the world knows a lot about survival. Meanwhile, as one writer suggests, Isaiah is faithfully driving around his golf cart with a bumper sticker that reads, Keep Jerusalem holy. Wait, he says, people, hang in there. Pay attention. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget Yahweh. Can't you see? Your faith and your commitment to each other, they're being manipulated and influenced by the media and the culture around you. Don't turn away now. This is the moment you need God the most. And that's the thing about hope. It's not some shallow wish. Hope is about survival. And the dark is always darkest right before the light comes. This hope Isaiah talks about, it's not a wish. It's a confession and a belief that a divine ruler will replace all the kings who just cannot get it right with a counselor of unique wisdom and abundant power, a ruler endowed with enduring life who brings eternal peace. Isaiah was in the midst of complete disaster and he has the audacity to propose a trajectory of hope and a new future That embodies a leader that is faithful to God's plan, not just for the Israelites, but for the whole human world. It is a future of justice and righteousness and security and peace. And he's saying, yeah, no, instead of violence, there's peace. And instead of Trauma, there is comfort, and instead of despair, there is hope. And this promise that Isaiah makes, it survives the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Romans until one day, until one day, a couple of teenaged refugees, pregnant, uncertain of their future, head north against all odds to pay their taxes, hope like this, transcends all time and space. Hope like this is our central claim as Christian people. Hope like this informs what we do, but it more importantly defines who we are. And so on this second Sunday in Advent, it comes down to this one question. Are the threats of this world greater than the powers of God's salvation? When we light a candle, and we sing a hymn, and we say a prayer, when we finally decide to step back into this sanctuary after 18 months, we declare a hope that is rooted in a promise that is so ancient that it has infiltrated our bones. We believe a rescue is coming. We believe. There is something new ahead of us. We believe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And so no matter how bad it gets, we the church, we're not afraid. We have the courage and the capacity and the power to shine a light in the darkest of dark places. And so yes, we will talk about suicide and divorce and drug abuse and genocide and racism, We will talk about corporate greed and our own greed. We'll talk about depression and anxiety and fear on top of fear. And we will talk about school shootings. We'll even talk about school shootings. We'll talk about all of it because as scary and as overwhelming as the darkness can be, we know that the light will come we know that our hope rests in the promises of Christ's birth and life and death and resurrection. And as soon as we hope, as soon as we allow God's light to shine in our hearts, everything changes because the hope of Christ not only promises a future of justice and peace and love, but it transforms our present moment our reality and our perspective and our ability to move and act and change the world around us. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. Amen.
1: Let us now continue our worship in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us to meet you as you come to us. Help us to prepare our way, your way in our lives and to announce your coming in peace to others. We pray this morning for all who need to feel our prayers. We pray for those who are sick, needing strength and endurance, For those who are confused, needing guidance and direction. We pray for those who are hurt, needing your soothing and healing touch. We pray for those who are experiencing loss, needing comfort and peace that only you can provide. We pray for the rough places in our lives and in the lives of others whose names rest deeply on our hearts. Fill the valleys with your light, level the uneven paths with your grace and grant that your spirit might so move us and others that your saving presence might be visible to all. On this Sunday of preparation, this Sunday which celebrates your peace, help there be peace in our lives, peace in our churches and peace in our worlds. We ask that you take what we give and transform it to your glory, to take what we do and transform it to your acting to take what we say and transform it to your singing, and to take what we live and transform it to your creating. We celebrate being your people and the ability to worship you. Thank you for all our blessings and freedoms that allow us to do just that. Enable us to fully and freely give our all to your glory today and tomorrow and forevermore. We ask all these things in the name of our savior, the one who taught us to pray together saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we are the work of God's hands and God continues to shape each of us every day into a people of goodness and of peace. That's why we offer our gifts to God, to be part of creating a more beautiful world through the ministry of this church and through the witness of our lives each and every day. Let us now take time to think and to reflect and to gather our gifts together and present them as an offering to God. And let us now dedicate our gifts to God using our litany of dedication. Let us pray. We turn to the Lord who's coming and ask him to bring his light, to end the world's dark night of longing. Come, Lord Jesus, break the chains of warfare and fighting. Come, Lord
2: Jesus
1: break the chains of poverty, hunger, and homelessness. Come Lord Jesus, break the chains of oppression, persecution, and denial of human rights. Come Lord Jesus, break the chains of anxiety and unhappiness. Come, Lord Jesus, break the chains of sickness, disease, and death. In Christ, God draws near. God loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. May gifts of our time, talent, and treasure bring forth God's glory. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit light the path ahead of you with hope. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.